Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horo, and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk with Miss Justine Bond, who is an EFT couples therapist, and we're going to learn a little bit more about how awesome that therapy is, why it works so well with EMDR therapy, and other modalities that are attachment-based and bottom-up. And so without further ado, I would like to tune in to um, Justine, who is going to be joining me today. So Justine, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm an EFT therapist. I'm also in the process of getting EMDR certified, and I'm almost there with a few little hoops to go through. Um, Yeah, I primarily work with couples and adults. I work with the lifespan because I'm a licensed associate marriage and family therapist. Um, But yeah, I, I really have a soft spot for couples and working with relationships and trying to get them more to feel connected instead of the disconnection that couples often come in with. Sure. What do you love so much about it? I think when couples come in and say, we have this problem and it's X, Y, or Z. And I look at it as, well, tell me more about how you talk about X, Y, or Z. And we're able to zoom out and we start to see things so differently. And each partner can drop in and hear that, and you see this shift between couples. It's so beautiful. And I think that's what I love most about this type of work. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What I love about EFT, I mean, I'm an EFT trained mm-hmm. uh, therapist as well. I've, mm-hmm. I've been through the externship and that's the modality I use along with EMDR therapy when I work with couples as mm-hmm. well. But what I love so much about it is it marries so well with AIP, which is the adaptive information processing model, mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's like we're hardwired to connect. We're hardwired to heal. And I love that the attachment system that is needed in the relationship with an EMDR therapist is also so, uh, focused on and, and primal to the efficacy of EFT therapy. I love that about, you know, using what's hardwired and built into us biologically, Mm -hmm. because I think that our innate sense for healing is so much more available when we, when we use the relationship Mm -hmm. as part of the healing and reparative experience. So, um, tell me about, uh, a little bit about the, the goal of, of EFT couples work. It's to come more from a place of, like I said, feeling that disconnection and becoming more connected. The goal is not necessarily to tell a couple, okay, we're going to stay together or we're not. We have to talk about everything that's in between. And sometimes what that can look like is going to these deeper places, as I mentioned before, that couples don't always hear each other say in the context of maybe their arguments. Got it. Right? That makes sense. So something that I, I tell clients a lot is they come in complaining about their partner and how their partner isn't making them feel a certain kind of way mm-hmm. and they're blaming their partner for their emotional experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what I love about EFT is it the theory understands that I have to have a healthy independent eye, another healthy independent eye so that we can make a collective interdependent we. And yes. I love that we come from the same stance about what's necessary for efficacy and healing and that it's not the responsibility of our partner Mm -hmm. to make us feel okay. Mm -hmm. Nobody's responsible for our okayness, but we can help to co-regulate one another. And so it's, it's necessary to understand where do I stop and where do you start and Mm -hmm. how can we use one another in an interdependent way to connect with one another and ultimately find secure 
earned attachment at some point, hopefully. Right. And I know you're going to talk about that a little Absolutely, bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so tell me what is EFT therapy? I mean, if you were to explain it to like the lay person out there and they want to go to couples work and yeah. they want to talk, um, they're trying to find a therapist. How, what makes EFT different? Explain to me how you understand it. So EFT, emotion focused therapy, right? First of all, I think we should start with saying Sue Johnson, who's the creator of EFT, in her book, um, Love Sense and Hold Me Tight, the two books I often recommend to couples. She talks about how effective EFT is. I mean, couples come out of an EFT treatment modality, 90% of them start to feel better. And 70 to 75% go from relational distress to no longer experiencing that. Like, those are big numbers, right? For sure. And I think that speaks to the underpinnings of EFT, which is all about attachment theory and that lens that EFT therapists conceptualize from, Mm -hmm. right? We've learned things from our earliest models and attachment figures on how to handle conflict, what healthy affection looks like, how to communicate. I mean, all the basics. How can we not take that into our adult relationships? The good, but sometimes the bad. Right. Yeah. We bring what we learned. I mean, we learn how to attach. We learn how to connect. Exactly. We learn what, uh, what our attachment lessons come from our primary caregivers. And then we bring in and reenact in our relationships for better or for worse, what we've learned. And we bring all of that baggage forward. Right. And then we put onto our partner's expectations or unexpressed expectations about how we fit into the relationship with someone else. Right. Right. And I think a big piece of EFT too is a lot of the times we don't come from securely attached relationships as children. Wouldn't we love that? Right. We'd both be out of work. Things would be so much easier. (laughs) Right. But that's not to say that we're stuck that way forever. And that's what it is too. What EFT also teaches is how do we build a secure bond with your partner in this room, very experientially too, to feel it in real time because of the neuroplasticity we have with our brain, we can now recreate a secure attachment. And that's a big part of my job too. So bringing in real time, an emotionally reparative experience yes. actually builds new neural pathways. Yeah. Cause it's one thing to send coping skills to say, do this homework, right. go on a few dates, right? but that's not actually feeling and having that felt sense of what secure attachment feels like in the room, using right. me as that model, like I said, to slow down and really dig in to this underneath stuff, as I keep referring to as part of the process. Right. And as you model mm-hmm. for a partner through that really intimate EFT experience, mm-hmm. the other person is also feeling yep. what it would have felt like if they could have shown up that way. Yeah. So you're really in real time enacting connection as as you'd hope that the clients will learn to model without you there yep, or, or le- learn to replicate without you there yes. in, in the future. Uh, yep. And so we practice here mm-hmm. now what we don't know how to do alone. Yep. And eventually that starts to build patterned behavior as well, which yep. that's why people feel better is they're not falling into that pattern of, you know, the messy and the yuck. Yep. So, yep. so you talked a little bit about secure attachment, but yes. could you explain a little bit more and elaborate on attachment styles in general for those who are not familiar with that language? Yeah. So there's four attachment styles. I talked a little bit about secure attachment, which is the ideal place we all want to be. But unfortunately, a lot of us did not necessarily grow up with that. A securely attached relationship looks like I'm allowed. I shouldn't say allowed. I'm able to go explore my environment. And I know my partner will be there for me when I come back and I can depend on them. And vice versa with our partner. We have this trust and security with each other. 
we're able to regulate ourselves if things do feel messy. We can come back together and I know my partner will be engaged and I can depend on them too. And that secure, that secure attachment learned in early childhood Mm -hmm. is if I venture out into the world Mm -hmm. and I'm met with, you know, distress or I'm met with things that are uncomfortable, I have a known sense that I'm okay enough and I can come back to that secure base where people are, uh, where, where people show up in a safe and loving way for me. And Parents do the best they can. Yep. And oftentimes what we see in our offices are not clients who are securely attached or at least not all of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. right? And so that goes into an anxious attachment style. Right. Right. So this comes from a place where kiddos sometimes have responsive parents, but sometimes they don't. And we can easily say how that can translate into an adult relationship. Sometimes my partner will be there for me, but what if they're not always? And something feels so familiar about that. So I revert back and I think about those earlier years. Right. Must I cling to not be forgotten, essentially, is how I mostly see couples who have an an anxious attachment style. Yeah. And it makes sense to me that if I had a childhood where my mom or my dad was there sometimes, Mm -hmm. but then they would go away depending on what was going on in their life. Yep. It would be so familiar to me to find a partner that perhaps reenacted some of those same behaviors because I know how to fit into this puzzle. I know how to do this. This is what I'm used to. Right. And so I probably attract someone that feels familiar and they do in one way, shape or form, something like one of my parents did or one of my primary caregivers did. And so now I fall right into that pattern. Absolutely. And so my, my anxious attachment style it's just expected. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, or I can speak a little from personal experience too. Awesome. You know, I grew up with a very anxiously attached style between my parents. Right. Mm-hmm. And my partner currently, he came from a very securely attached place. Right. So at the earlier years in our relationship, and we've been together for quite a while now. Right. But at the earlier years, before I did my EMDR therapy and all the things he normally would not text me back right away, for example. And I felt that anxiety. And it's that same feeling. Do you remember me? Can I be here in some way? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. That's where that comes from. Seeking that comfort, seeking that connection, like assurance. Yeah. And he's not doing anything wrong. Right. Right. And so through enough of my work, we've gotten to a place where we're in a very securely attached relationship now. And he's super validating to that process. But I think that's a really common example that shows up. I'm just being there for my partner, but I'm trying to take my space and anxiously attach other partner, but I need to make sure they still know I'm here and I'm okay. Right. Right. But then on the flip side with avoidant attachment now, right? Mm -hmm. This is, well, I just don't want to make anything worse. I got to feel safe somehow. So I really pull back. I really want to pull back and just avoid any confrontation. And we can see how that can be a bit messy too in relationships. How does that show up in relationships? What does that look like? So your experience an avoidant attachment style. Yeah. So if couples come in and one of the partners is experiencing something stressful and they're telling their partner how they feel, oh my gosh, like this thing at work has been a lot for me lately and I don't know how to handle it. And I wonder if my boss is mad at me and this coworker said this, you know, and, and, and I feel like you're not really listening to me right now and tell me more partner. Why aren't you listening to me? And something is now happening in that partner saying, oh my gosh, am I doing something wrong? I thought I was just listening. I don't know. So I don't want to make it worse. So I just don't see anything. And I get quieter. Right. Which makes other partner, wait, are you listening? And you're getting quieter. Right. And we I keep can't pushing. reach you. I can't reach exactly. you. Exactly. Right? So exactly. I have to say from a personal vantage point, I have more of a preoccupied, anxious stance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my parents did the best they could and they were there. And 
Um, my mom was really, really there, but mm-hmm. if she was under extreme duress, mm-hmm. she has more of a shutdown or a flea response yeah. and because of her story and her yeah. upbringing. And so I know that I'm, I, uh, and again, before so much EMDR therapy of my own, mm-hmm. I know that that was my activation point too, is if I can't reach someone, if they won't get back to me or, or if there was some kind of disconnection or conflict that hasn't yet had resolution and I don't understand what happened, yeah. an avoidant. Uh, attachment style triggers me so much because I'm so desperate to find out what happened. What did I do? What can I do to fix it? How can I get back in connection? And so I, I have so much empathy for people in both stances because someone with an avoidant attachment style, you know, they're also avoiding the potential risk of rejection. Absolutely. And so they stay, stay away. They stay distant. They avoid the conflict, the confrontation, because they don't want to risk letting someone all the way in for fear that eventually, just like in their past, Mm -hmm. they'll be let down once again. Right. Well, and I think it's important to say too, often with avoidant attachment styles, they had no one even model language to them about how to have healthy confrontation. So I always tell partners, we have to give the other partner a generous assumption. They genuinely don't know how they don't have the language. It's not that they're trying to just pull away and avoid everything Mm -hmm. or don't care enough to engage with you. It's almost like a freeze response. I don't know what to say right now. I literally have no words. I don't know what what he or she needs. And a shame response. It's a shame response because there's a shame spiral. If I'm avoiding the response or I'm avoiding taking accountability or even saying I went through a thing and I don't want to talk about it or I don't know how to talk about it or you hurt me in some way, shape or form. And I have to face that and I have to speak up and I have to assert myself that you hurt me. You know, I'm thinking of an example where Uh, And I think part of why avoidant attachment triggers me is because it doesn't give someone an opportunity to take accountability. Absolutely. And personally, I really try to take accountability when I mess up. Mm -hmm. I don't, I I am innately a person who doesn't want to be harmful or hurt people. And so if, if I hurt someone inadvertently because I was too quick or Mm -hmm. I had an empathic failure Mm -hmm. and they don't come back and say, ouch, yeah, that really hurt. Yeah. I feel frustrated because they're out in the world now feeling hurting and right. I, I don't get to fix it, right. which is, it feels irresponsible. Right, right. And at the same time, they're not giving me an opportunity. They're not giving me a generous assumption that I would hold space. And yeah. I'm going, I'm over here trying so I hard. I get people. so anxious, right? 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 So I think that is why I have a harder time. It's like, you need to t- assert yourself, go mm-hmm. back to the person and say, hey, when you did that or when you said that, it really, it really landed wrong. It really hurt me. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll show up and take accountability. Right. And maybe they won't. Right. But, you know, not to get too much on a tangent, but also where we don't speak up, mm-hmm. that's where resentment lives. Well, and what we call these mm-hmm. in EFT language are raw spots. Raw spots. Our partner, my partner is hitting on a raw spot. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, we have a choice. We can choose to communicate that raw spot. And it's vulnerable. And it we're is. putting ourselves out there. But it also means we have a chance for repair, connection, and increased trust because we're talking about vulnerability. So it's an opportunity for so much growth for couples too. Right. It's where the that's where the sweet spot is. Exactly. The repair is where it all exactly. where it all happens. So raw spots are a choice, but so much can come from it if we just let our partner know. 
you tapped on something there. Right. We need to talk about that. And this isn't just for couples relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is for all relationships. When yep. we think about our attachment style and we think about how we have a predisposition to lean in one direction or another, yep. this is our growing edge. This is our opportunity. Yeah. So absolutely. for those who have avoidant attachment styles, we want to encourage you to lean in, to go and assert yourself when someone's hit that raw spot and, and ask them, you know, Mm-hmm. Or tell them rather, don't necessarily have an expectation for accountability or, or an apology, right. but go to them and say this hurt and yep. see what happens. Because yeah. if the repair happens, all the better. And I think the last attachment style mm-hmm. too, I want to touch on a little bit is the disorganized attachment style. And this th- is so hard. This is so hard. And the best way I explain it is like my hand gestures of like, come, but don't. It's this push and pull of like, I want closeness and I really desire that. But as soon as it becomes too much or overwhelming I'm experiencing, then I push you away. And again, it's like, no, come closer, but like, no. (laughs) And it's so hard for couples, right? Yeah. Like how do we meet in the middle with that? How can my partner respond? So that's a tough one too. And that's, that's kind of leans us into how does it relate when it comes to the EFT model, this push pull thing? Can you give us the language and tell us what that is? Yes. So from all these attachment styles, right? We go into this place of falling into two roles, a withdrawer or pursuer typically. And these show up in this negative interaction cycle, which is language that we use in EFT to describe a couple's conflict essentially. And the withdrawer typically pulls away, doesn't want to make it worse, retreats, while the pursuer is rooted in a place more of anxiety of you're pulling away from me and I need closeness to feel connected and I'm trying to reach for you and I pursue, pursue as I pull, pull. You know, we can have two pursuers or we keep going at it back and forth to try to get heard. We can have two withdrawers, no risk, but no one's talking about anything and there's a lot of disconnection there too. Which is so lonely. Yeah, And it's the opposite of what people are looking for in relationship. right. Uh, there's a Burning Man slide. I I think we'll show it right here where there's, you know, when we have conflict and Mm -hmm. we're in our cycles and our negative interaction cycle, it's like two little kids sitting with their backs, you know, Mm -hmm. away from one another when all we really want is connection. Mm -hmm. And so I just love this illustration so much because it just, it embodies this felt sense of wanting connection so deeply. And sitting in the corner pouting and feeling harmed and hurt. Mm -hmm. And so when we come into couples and I I know you experience this as well, one partner is blaming the other partner and she, 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 and if he would just dot, 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 Mm -hmm. and there's all this projected blame Mm -hmm. because blame is the discharge of our pain and discomfort. And what I love about the EFT model is it's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's the cycle. Yes, exactly. It's the cycle against the couple, not the cycle in between. I try to stress that so much to couples that you guys are on a team against this thing. It's not you at play with each other. It's the cycle at play with you guys, you know? So, so the the enemy can be the common enemy where we get sucked in is the problem. It's not me and it's not you. Yeah. I make couples name their cycle. I say, call it when you see it, name it to tame it, put it out there. Right. How do we bring it down a little bit? So essentially the withdrawer pursuer role is do I numb out or do my armor up to stay safe? But either way, we're not really getting anywhere. Right. And I'll go a little bit into the negative interaction cycle piece with this. Okay. It looks like this infinity loop that happens between these two roles. Our alarm bells go off. We're triggered by our partner somehow. So we get reactive. And usually this is that secondary emotion of anger. Mm. I get angry, I get defensive. But underneath that is usually fear or sadness. That's the primary emotion. Right. 
those are vulnerable things to talk about that probably have to do with the raw spot. So they don't always get talked about first. So instead we go back up to anger. Now we get all protective, right? And we start making up a story in some way. They don't care about me. I'm always the problem. I'll never get it right. I'm just making it worse. No matter what I do. Yep. It's never enough. It's never enough. I'll never get it. Yep. So then we They'll get, never be happy. That's what I hear all the time. They'll, they'll never, never be, happy. be happy. Yep. So then we get more protective and that's where the pursuer withdrawer really shows up. Right. Am I going to armor up and make them look at me somehow and be really pursuing? Or am I going to pull away because I feel really rejected right now or I don't want to make it worse or I don't even know what to say. Right. And now that set of moves triggers our partner. And now they go through the same thing. Now their alarm bells go off their feelings. And it's a chicken egg thing. Right. Here's where I got pulled in. Mm -hmm. And then because of your reaction, then, you know, I went into this dance and then. You get activated by the way I showed up. Yep. And then we're back in in the chase. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and what we do in EFT is break down that cycle essentially. We name it and we say, this is really what's happening. And guys, that's actually 90% of the problem. Again, going back to the beginning with I'm here for X, Y, or Z, that's only 10%. We're getting caught in the weeds with that stuff, right? You'll see with every argument that you have, it actually looks like this cycle. That's the meat of it. If we can identify that every time, how much better would it be? I joke with my couples. I'm going to teach you guys to fight really good, (laughs) right? Well, it's it's not just about eliminating fighting, right? The couples therapy, people go, oh, we're still fighting. Sure. Yeah. But you repair faster. Mm -hmm. You understand the cycle and you're able to pull out. Yep. You're able to not stay in these days or weeks long disconnection, but you're able to move yourself back into connection, which is ultimately what we want all the time is we want to be in that connection. You're talking about it. For sure. I get more concerned when couples come in and they say, we don't fight about anything. I'm like, what are we not talking about here? Right. Right. So, so yeah, that's a big piece of deepening the cycle, getting underneath a lot of those primary emotions underneath all the protection and what's really there. And how do we communicate from that place? And it's so risky to be in that vulnerable space. And so, so, you know, we, we get couples that come in and they're so stuck in that blame Mm -hmm. place, that anger defense, that armored place. Mm -hmm. And if people understood that the whole purpose of blame is Mm -hmm. to discharge pain and discomfort, Mm -hmm. they would recognize likely more quickly in themselves that that's where they're stuck is I'm hurting and I need to get this out. And the only way I've ever learned how is to be in blame or in in anger and and ultimately protection, which I learned. Right. And so EFT is also about unlearning those, those patterns that we learned in our early attachment relationships and how to interact with one another. Yeah, absolutely. So having also been trained in EFT, have you gone through the process or have you worked? Oh my gosh. (laughs) A little vulnerability here. So my husband and I are really adaptive Mm -hmm. and we've been married almost 25 years Mm -hmm. now. And we made most of our negative interaction cycle, cycle tolerable and we managed things and we fell into some pretty comfortable not super functional ruts. Mm-hmm. And during COVID, we I had nowhere to go. <laughs> you know, I have so many external experiences, my, you know, working out and being with friends and working with clients and all those things. And what I really realized during COVID and just being in the house with my husband mm-hmm. is there were some things that we hadn't really figured out yet. Mm-hmm. And so we went back to work and went to EFT and went to an amazing couples therapist. She's outstanding. And she just was powerful and strong enough to call both my husband and I out on our shit. And she could hold compassionate space at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that I was formerly such 
such a pursuer and so anxious that my husband would get upset. He'd withdraw. He'd, he'd kind of stonewall me. Mm -hmm. He'd, I call it silent rage. He didn't say things, but he would just be distant and Mm -hmm. disconnected. And I felt so compelled to chase him down Mm -hmm. and try to get to resolution. And typically our pattern would be I'd chase, chase, chase. I wasn't coming from a vulnerable place of like my part in things. Mm -hmm. And he would still remain angry. And so we would do this fight for so long and it would last way too long. And then until I started crying and he got angry and then Mm -hmm. he felt bad. And so we would go through this piece of, uh, or this pattern and it was just not serving us. Yeah. And so through our EFT work, thank, thank God for it. And I'm so grateful. I'm super grateful to COVID for that because our marriage is better than ever. Mm-hmm. And now both of us have such a more settled nervous system mm-hmm. and we both claim securely attached, earn secure attachment yeah. that, you know, uh, is pretty, is pretty hard to gain from really complex stories. And we just, you know, where we're relentless in our pursuit for connection and for commitment to one another. And that was part of our promise to each other when we got married was we're not going to always know why we're together, but we promise to work through the, the, through the valleys because it's not always going to be about peaks. And I'm really grateful to to him and our couples therapist for, um, shout out to therapy with heart for their awesomeness with their EFT model. But, um, ultimately I'm super grateful for my experience of becoming securely attached in, and it was earned, hard earned in our marriage. So let's, let's talk about an example with a client situation that's common Mm -hmm. and that everybody could relate with, you know, in how this looks in this, in a session. Yeah. So I can think of a couple where the wife, this is a good one. The wife is known as the pursuer and the husband is known as the withdrawer in this situation. And she'll sigh. And so much gets kicked up in him. When that happens, he gets triggered. His alarm bells go off. Am I not doing something right? Is she mad at me for something? What's happening? I'm a, I just can never get it right. Right? He well, can't tolerate the huff. Yes, yes. So What's alarm bell, right? He gets a little like frustrated at first, but it clearly goes to a place of fear for him. Right? Then he gets to the story of I can't get it right. You know, is she mad at me? Did I do something wrong? And then we get defensive. But his defense looks like withdrawing, so he gets more quiet. And she tries to engage him because now she's picking up on something. Right. Right? And it's so interesting, right? Because it's like all these things that are not even said, but our bodies are just feeling with each other and getting so triggered by. And so she keeps pursuing, and he's thinking more now. Oh, my gosh. Now she is mad at me. She keeps coming to me with this stuff. I don't know what to say right now. I was just sitting here. And now they're in their cycle. And they're both running roughshod down the tracks yep. to the wrong country yep. without any facts. Mm-hmm. And they're just making up stories about what all of those things mean. Yep. I, I hear that a lot in, in relationships as well. And what we need to understand in all couples work in all, in all human relationships is yep. both people have to have room for their experience yep. and there has to be an internal tolerance for the other person to not be okay. Right. And for us to be able to hold that space and sit with it mm-hmm. and maybe even just get curious, Hey, you just huffed. What was that about? And yeah. they might say, I just realized I forgot I had to do this other thing. And so we make up all these stories that really don't have anything to do with what we're experiencing. And so if we can just approach with more curiosity, we're in, we're in way better shape. Right. And that's usually the case, right? you know, not all the time, but usually when things like this happen, we make assumptions exactly. and we we're pretty good at making up stories. Exactly. We're hardwired for story. And so that's what we do. We're off to the races with our assumptions for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. So I want to just recap a little bit about what we talked about. 
We talked about EFT couples therapy. We talked about attachment styles. We talked about pursuer withdrawer cycles and roles and the negative interaction cycle, which ultimately is the culprit in our discourse and our conflict in relationships. And so hopefully you found that helpful. And thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to lead with love. It'll never steer you wrong.